Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. Today, we're going to be talking all about training your brain for success. If you want to mentally fortify yourself so that you can accomplish whatever it is that you have set your mind to, despite the setbacks that will happen from internal poor messaging or external difficulties. We're gonna be talking about all of that today. All right, without further ado. First question, does a negative mindset have more effects on mental health and the brain? And does it get easier to control your emotions if you try long enough? So first of all, yes, a negative mindset is going to have an overall impact on your mental health. So anxiety is the easiest one to talk about because I've experienced it, but I think depression is also gonna be um, hugely affected by what you allow yourself to repeat. So one core mechanism of the brain is to understand that while we are a very active species that's meant to go out and explore and master our environment, there is a secondary evolutionary force pushing on us, which is that we also want to conserve calories to make sure that we survive um, a famine. So we have this dual competing thing of wanting to go out and do cool shit, hence the big dreams, and wanting to sit on the couch and eat a bag of potato chips, uh, hence why we procrastinate, why we feel lazy. And the way that the brain as a physiological organ has dealt with this dual impulse challenge over evolutionary timeframes is that it's a process called myelination. And what that does is it's wrapping fatty tissue around neurons that fire together at the same time frequently. So this is why they say neurons that fire together wire together. They are literally getting optimized for the efficient transmission of the signals across those synaptic gaps. And the reason that they do this is that it becomes easier from a caloric perspective to do those things. So now you've made whatever you repeat, whether it's something empowering or disempowering, whether it's something that makes you anxious or feel like you can do anything, it's going to make thinking those thoughts and feeling those feelings easier from a caloric perspective. It also begins to move it into what's called the default mode network. So the default mode network is responsible for anything that we'll call automatic thinking. If you've done something a bazillion times, you don't think about brushing your teeth, you just brush your teeth. You don't think about driving to work oftentimes, certainly before the pandemic, you just drive to work. And there were times where you would show up at work and be like, whoa, I almost don't remember the journey getting here. And the reason is that what ends up happening is your cognition can be put onto basically something else. So you're thinking through daydreaming, whatever. And the thing that you do in a repetitive way is just happening automatically, super efficiently. And uh, it's a thing that happens to the brain where you can scan somebody and go up, oh, they're in the default mode network right now. And if worry, anxiety, panic, fear, stress, if that's what you're doing all the time, then that's what's gonna be moved over 
made calorically easier to do, uh, moved into the default mode network so that by default, that's where you go. And this is where most people spend the majority of their lives is living in that default mode network of these emotions that they've created, these very well-worn paths to looping around over and over to feeling those feelings over and over. And so you can understand since the body responds to your the mental states that you're constantly in, that each of those mental states is characterized by hormonal and neurochemical states, and the body will have different long-term consequences based on what you're feeling. So for instance, if you are constantly stressed or uh, constantly anxious, your cortisol levels are extraordinarily high. Cortisol levels begin to damage the um, the elasticity of your blood vessels is one of the vectors of attack on your body. And so you don't want to stay in these chronically elevated levels because it deteriorates the um, integrity of the lining of your blood vessels. And this is the kind of thing that leads to stroke or coronary heart disease. So being incredibly thoughtful, not to loop on those things, which doesn't mean that there aren't bad things going on in your life, but it does mean that when you allow yourself to loop, 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 that there is this hormonal and chemical cascade as a response to that, that your body will have negative consequences to or positive consequences if you're in a loving, calm state a lot. And that's the thing that becomes the default mode network. That becomes the easiest thing for you to think. And you're in this really calm and creative state a lot of times, uh, then you're gonna prolong your life. Um, so I, I hesitate only to say that because of course there are other extenuating circumstances like if your diet is terrible, uh, but you're in that calm and creative state a lot, I think you're still gonna run into issues. And quite honestly, if your diet is messed up, then the odds of you being able to stay in that calm and creative state are very, very low because of the communication that happens between your brain and your gut. Getting into dysbiosis is a whole nother thing. But anyway, you wanna be very careful the things that you allow yourself to think. Now, how do you train yourself to get out of that get out of a negative default mode network and into a positive default mode network. So one is something called pattern interrupting. This comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, it's extraordinarily useful and I highly encourage you guys to get very deft at this. And this is simply not allowing yourself to think certain thoughts. And every time you catch yourself doing it to pattern interrupt and you remind yourself, you don't do that. So for instance, one of the reasons that I don't get overwhelmed is because I don't allow myself to be overwhelmed. That doesn't mean that I can carry an infinite load. What it means is every time I can feel that escalation, I can feel like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. I say to myself, ah, you don't do overwhelm. And saying that thought interrupts that pattern and breaks me out of it, brings my conscious control back in, right? Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response, there is a gap. We want to mind that gap. We want to get in there, insert something like this statement, I don't do overwhelm, which then puts me back into conscious control and I decide what I want to insert in terms of the emotion that I want to feel, which of course is more calm, more relaxed, able to handle more things. Now, I also remind myself that doing less is always an option. So if there's just too many things happening at once, 99 times out of 100, even if I'm really in something busy and there's a lot happening, if I feel overwhelm coming on, boom, pattern interrupt, I don't do overwhelm, and then I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna deep breathe from my belly, and I'm gonna slow things down. And I'm gonna let that stuff go, and that's exactly how I'm 
actually able to end up doing more because I don't let that become a runaway process. I pattern interrupt it. I breathe from my diaphragm. I slow down. It doesn't take long to reset, to get yourself focused. And then typically what I'll do at that point is shift back into an aggressive mental and emotional posture, which then helps me push through anything that might potentially feel overwhelming. And that is the training. So you're doing that pattern interrupt. You're doing the physiological things that you need to do to shift your state. And then you're inserting yourself back into that gap and you do that over and over and over and over, never wasting time being angry with yourself that you start to feel overwhelmed, but instead being proud of yourself that you do the pattern interrupt, that you slow things down. And when you reinforce that behavior, that's what begins to wire together. And now over time, it becomes this very easy loop that happens automatically. You don't even think about it. When you start to feel that sense of overwhelm, you don't get lost in the overwhelm. Boom, you stop, slow down, breathe, insert the aggression in this case. I'm just giving you an example from how I deal with it, but whatever you're gonna do to deal with it. I do something exactly uh, similar to that for anxiety. I start to feel the anxiety build up. I'm not going to allow that to become this runaway process. I'm going to slow down. It happens again that I'm going to breathe from my diaphragm. I'm going to relax. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to start some sort of visualization of things going well instead of going wrong. You only get anxious when you imagine things going wrong. So now I'm going to force myself to imagine them going well. I'm going to breathe from my diaphragm doing the physiological work of making sure I'm shifting state and just do that over and over and over. Next. Hi, Tom. I know that you're going to like this. Do you know what the best way would be to accelerate the electrical neural connections in my brain so I can learn faster, change habits, and improve exponentially in my life? Working with the neuroplasticity that you know so well. Thank you. Okay, so this is a game of repetition and understanding that for the reasons that I just outlaid in the previous question, it just comes down to what you repeat. Whatever you repeat, then you're going to get better at that thing, better meaning more efficient from a brain wiring standpoint, it gets easier to do. And so as you think about trying to learn faster, a lot of this is going to be practice learning. You're going to be learning as much as you can. And one, you're gonna lay down those neural pathways, but two, and maybe more importantly, is you are going to learn tips and tricks along the way that will optimize for exactly you. So I'm giving you all the things that work for me. I think it'll probably work 80 to 85% exactly the same for you, but there's that 15% that's going to be optimized just for you, where you're like, you know what, that thing, like I'll give you an example from my own life, box breathing. So to meditate, people will typically tell you to breathe in four equal parts. I found that that didn't work for me. So I found by optimizing for the pleasure cycle of those four parts of the breath cycle that it worked perfectly. So it was like 85% of it was just sitting down, meditating, understanding how to come back to the thought, understanding how to breathe from my diaphragm, all that. That was by far all of the heavy lifting. But then that little tweak at the end made a big difference. And so by practicing learning, by repeating learning, by doing it over and over, by finding out, do you do better when you're reading a physical book? Do you do better when you're listening to audio? Do you do better on YouTube videos? Do you do better on audiobooks? Do you do better when you can take physical notes? Do you do better notes handwritten or typed? All of these things. So it's, it's all the same stuff, but there are gonna be little nuances that are different for you. And so getting in there and doing them over and over and over, that's gonna be the key to learning faster, increasing the speed, and then just overall getting better at that by 
doing those things over and over and over so that you get the hard wiring that you're looking for. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply next 
Is it possible to train your brain to control dopamine addiction, especially with things like YouTube games and NFTs that are so all-consuming and addictive? How can you redirect your brain to focus on your goals? All right, let's talk about time management. So I am very grateful that while I have a very obsessive personality, I don't have an addictive personality. And what that means is that I find it relatively straightforward to create rules in my life. And I highly encourage anybody to do this, whether you have an addictive or an obsessive personality or anything else, to create bright lines in your life, rules that you simply don't violate. That way there's no question, like imagine if you say something like, this is actually true from my childhood. My mom would say, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like 13. We could have 13 Doritos. So you're eating your 13 Doritos, but like Dorito number nine was kind of broken. So that doesn't really count as a full Dorito, but then the next one maybe only has a tiny bit of a corner missing. So you take that one, you're like, well, they were both broken. And so you end up eating, you know, the equivalent of more, or maybe you lost count. And so you don't want to cheat yourself, of course. So, you know, at number six, maybe you start the count over. So there are all these ways where you end up intaking more than you mean to versus saying, I only eat Doritos on a Saturday. That way, if it isn't Saturday, I'm not eating Doritos. And then if you find, well, what I end up doing is on Friday night, I stay awake until 12.01 so I can eat Doritos, go to bed, wake up, eat more Doritos. If that isn't the outcome that you want, then you say, cool, I don't eat Doritos until I've woken up on a Saturday morning after, you know, at least seven hours of being in bed, whatever you need to do to make sure that you're not getting up in the middle of the night or only sleeping four hours because you're so excited to go eat. These are sadly all real things from my past. And so figuring out all of those things and understanding how you have to refine your rules so that you can be very clear about what you do and what you don't do. Once you do that, now you can start breaking that dopamine loop that people can get into. So one area that I do find that I get into it, and I have to be really thoughtful about this, is this weird loop around checking uh, WhatsApp, checking uh, Twitter, checking my text messages, if I'm moving something forward in the business. So I never do it just like in my personal life, but there are times where I'm trying to move something forward in my business. I need to see what the team is doing. Some people on the team communicate via WhatsApp, some for text, and then on Twitter, if I'm trying to promote something. And so I'll get in this loop of just like going, 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 and each thing leads to the next. And, you know, getting to sort of inbox zero on WhatsApp triggers me to go get to inbox zero on my text messages, triggers me to go get to inbox zero on Twitter, triggers me to go back to WhatsApp, to text, and, and I get in this weird, crazy loop. And so what I do to end up breaking that cycle, one, becoming aware of it is hugely important and understanding how that dopamine cycle works. And then two, to make sure that I put confines around it, even if I have to set an alarm, normally I don't because my day is so busy that I've got to get onto the next thing. But recognizing, okay, this is something that I'm prone to and that I need to have a hard stop because if I don't have a hard stop, then I know that I'll end up in this loop and it begins to not feel good. Like at first it feels like I'm making progress, I'm pushing things forward. And then at some point it begins to start to feel really uncomfortable and like that I have a compulsion. I have to check again. I have to go back. And so recognizing that that's a thing and then instituting rules. So for instance, I don't care about inbox zero. I care about moving a project forward. I care very much about time management. I care very much about having my priorities in order and going down my list of priorities. And once 
that thing is no longer a priority, even if I see that a notification comes in and now there's a message waiting or five messages waiting or 10 messages waiting. I train myself that I'm not even gonna look at that. I know that there are people waiting for a response. I've already moved it forward as much as makes sense given my time allocation, given my priorities, and therefore I'm gonna be completely fine with that. And so one thing I've done is on almost everything, it's not on everything, everything, but on almost everything, I've turned off all visible notifications. So that if you were to pick up my phone, it looks like I have nothing waiting for me. There's nothing in my email, nothing in my text, nothing. Um, but there are, but I force it so that I have to go in to check it. So there aren't these little things dripping on my mind. So being very careful about doing that. And then things that are just pure fun, like games or NFTs or something like that. Again, it's, it's knowing that I'm going to allow myself to spend this much time. So for instance, having a bedtime that you stick to is incredibly important. Now, I'd be lying if I said that NFTs haven't led me beyond my bedtime a few times. Um, but I really do try to be religious. So if once or twice out of the week, I end up going say 20 minutes over my bedtime, I'm okay with that. We'll call that a margin of error. Um, but if it started to be a problem, then I would put bright lines and I would say something like, uh, I cannot stay up past my bedtime more than twice in a seven day period. And you do something like that. And again, bright lines are incredibly effective at making sure that you don't end up in a behavior pattern that you don't want to be in. All right, and then go look at Andrew Huberman and his work on dopamine and all the things that he's discussing. Uh, it's really powerful to understand how dopamine works and that it isn't actually rewarding you for getting the thing, it's rewarding desire. So dopamine is the anticipatory neurochemical that feels good. It's exciting to want something, to pursue something. And so once you understand that dopamine is actually triggering the desire to pursue it, then you're more likely to be able to break that pattern because you realize that doing whatever behavior, playing the games, looking at NFTs, all of that, it's never going to satisfy it. You're never going to be like, oh, cool, now I've had my fill and I can go stop. Dopamine is specifically making you want to do more of something, to pursue it, to go after it, to repeat that behavior. So be very thoughtful about that. Next. Should you be hard on yourself or soft on yourself? How can you tell if someone's brain is geared towards hearing negative affirmations or needs negative persuasion to get things done? Case in point where you, Tom, use a negative scenario to get you through your workouts. Thank you. Okay, so there's moving towards and there's moving away. And once you understand what your baseline personality is, are you more likely to move towards something or more likely to move away from something? I'm a move towards kind of person. So the vast majority of my life is spent moving towards the things that excite me, call it 80%. And then 20% of the time, I find that moving away from something is very powerful. And what the person asking the question is referring to in the gym because I hated it so much and it was so exhausting and felt like such a waste of time, I had to think about protecting my wife and that if I wasn't able to get strong and not be able to protect my wife, that something bad might happen to her. And so that was a real motivation. But if I'm honest, as I get into the nuance of that, it was really the thing that I would imagine was just fucking ruining the person trying to get after my wife. And so that, it was about me winning in that scenario, being able to dismantle them. And even that was like a move towards, it was moving towards getting stronger, but there's no doubt that there was some negative impulse there. But it's figuring out from yourself what motivates you, 
What scenarios as you imagine them, walk through them, push you to do more. And then recognizing that nature has only given us two things, pleasure and pain. And so the more you can optimize them both, the better. Now, part of the optimization cycle of pleasure is understanding that when you think about the beautiful things, the pleasurable things that you want to bring into this world, that you could soak there, you could spend all of your time there and it would feel wonderful. The negative stuff, I think, is actually higher in amplitude in its ability to incentivize behavior, but is corrosive. And so um, there are video game references coming to mind. There is a gun in Destiny 2. And the longer you use it, the more it overheats and it will actually end up damaging you as you use the gun. And so you have to be careful not to use it too much because it starts taking away your own life. So that's negative energy all day. So as you are using that negative energy, it works at first and gives you this real boost. Then if you stay there too long, it begins to become a problem, both physiologically and just from a, is it fun living my life perspective? So you wanna be really thoughtful. I find that an 80-20 balance is roughly right. Find the right balance for you. I would be startled if it was ever more than 20%. Um, but in my darkest times where I am just exhausted and cannot bear the thought of going on any longer, to get that like reinvigoration, I need only think about the people that are waiting for me to fail. And that gives me the juice that I need. But I try not to spend a lot of time thinking about that. So be thoughtful in your own life. But both are powerful. And I would learn how to wield both tools. All right. Love your content. How do you stay up and positive when you keep getting kicked down, things get worse, and before you know it, uh, you're buried neck deep and completely lost as to what to do. How do you get back to center and beyond? Can you break down step-by-step step how to train your brain to move past how you see yourself? Yes, I can. So here is how to think about yourself. Number one, recognize that you are hopelessly average. That way you don't have to think of yourself as special because that negative voice in your head is going to constantly tell you that you're not special. So now, just admit, you're average. And given the distribution curve, the odds of you being average are extraordinarily high. So you're average. You meet what I call minimum requirements. So if you're asking this question, you are smart enough to do all of the amazing things you wanna do in your life. You may not be the best in the world at them, but you'll be able to do extraordinary things that are going to dazzle yourself and other people. So step one, recognize that you are average. Step two, recognize that you're an average human. And the average human has become the apex predator of all apex predators because of one simple principle. It is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. As the average human, you are the most adaptive creature the world has ever seen. So now, even being an average adapter, you're going to be able to do things that are incredible. It's what I call the only belief that matters. The only belief that matters is that if you put time and energy into getting better at something, you will get better. The second part of this idea is that skills have utility. So you're putting time and energy into gaining skills, and those skills let you do something in the world that other people can't 
do. When you can do something in the world that other people can't do, that the world values, you will always be able to make a living. If you get good at something that the world values that other people can't do, and you love it, now all of a sudden you're optimizing for a life that fills you with joy. And if you're optimizing for something that the world values that other people can't do, that you love, and it serves other people as well, you now have the magic formula for fulfillment. And the harder you work to gain that set of skills that serve yourself and others, you will begin getting feedback from the world because they value it. And you're out there doing something that lifts them up. So you're lifting them up in a way that they recognize and value. And inevitably, they're going to thank you for doing that thing. And that makes you feel good, which makes you want to go get better at that thing. And so now you go gain more skills in this thing that was hard, that the world values, that you're getting better at than other people and doing things other people can't do and elevating people in ways that other people can't elevate them. They're thanking you for that. And now you're in a virtuous cycle. And so that was the breakthrough for me was recognizing I did not need to believe that I was different or special because I was having a very hard time doing that. Life was showing me that that just wasn't true, that there were so many people that were better than me. And so dealing with that was emotionally very difficult in the beginning. So that big first step was recognizing, oh, I'm just hopelessly average but that's okay. I'm the hopelessly average adaptation machine. And now it's a question of what are my goals? What do I love doing? What do I love doing even when I'm failing, even when it's really difficult? And as long as I'm doing something that I find exciting, okay, it has to be fun, it's gotta be exciting, and it elevates other people, now the harder I work at that thing, the better it is for everybody involved, and it becomes this really magical thing. So that is my advice to you my friend. Do that and all will be well. All right, guys, that's a whole bunch of things that I recommend to all of you. And I hope that you guys will embark upon this journey of training your mind for success, because trust me, it actually does work. And speaking of things that work, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.